Yes, that is correct. It is Anime Death Spiral yet again. The only anime podcast still being released on the Zune Marketplace. <laughs> Look for us there. The retro hardware market is booming right now. People love that shit. Oh, my Zune is... Uh... Still doing great. I mean, you can't beat that kind of quality. To this day, the only time I've ever seen the Pixar movie Wally was on a uh, iPod Video Micro, like one of the super <laughs> tiny ones with like a one by two inch screen. Well, it's a shame uh, you didn't watch it on a uh, Microsoft brand Zune because you would have gotten a much better quality experience with the higher uh, resolution screen and, of course, the HD audio. Okay, dude. Dude, you know, you know Microsoft asked us to stop mentioning them. <laughs> we have several cease and desist letters. Ever since I actually paid for my, my copy of Microsoft Windows 10, I have been unfortunately cursed uh, with this Tourette's-like uh, syndrome where I have to constantly promote Microsoft products. I mean, if Microsoft was really, like, putting chips in people, that is what they would make it do. Like, it wouldn't be, <laughs> like, uh, it, it wouldn't be on behalf of the New World Order lizard government, right? It would be to, pr to promote Microsoft products. Yeah, they would be compelling you to, like, use Skype. Yeah. <laughs> Please uh, use Bing. <laughs> uh, we will yeah. make you by force. Uh, if we have to. Now, here's something you can't get on the Zune Marketplace, and that is anime news. Uh, because oh, nice transition. <laughs> that is a nice transition. Because <laughs> I want to talk about anime in a way that does not involve watching or reading anything. Oh, thank God. The best, the best possible way to experience anime, objectively. I mean, engaging with anime is 100% exhausting. If it can be avoided... Uh, you should. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you can just kind of get it third hand, just kind of glanced uh, at it, but out of the corner of your eye, that's probably as dazzlingly bright as anime can possibly be. <laughs> Not this one, though. This one is pretty dark. Oh, no. In this week's edition of uh, Grave Robbing, Weekly Shonen Champion has announced that they are releasing a new uh, Blackjack one-shot. Oh, boy. Cool. I know. That's great. Tezuka still still giving them money, huh? It's Makoto Tezuka, uh, except check this shit out. It's being written by ChatGPT4. That's right. Oh. The, new, <laughs> the new Blackjack one-shot <laughs> is being created by a fucking chat bot. <sighs> hey, <sighs> thanks, Makoto Tezuka. Uh, you're really doing a great job in the stewardship role. Wow. I, that's, I can't even imagine what that would look like. Like, I, I was pretty stunned when I, when I saw this. Okay. So the first thing that like I would have to address is what kind of data sets do you feed chat GPT to get like something accurate to a blackjack episode? You can't just feed it blackjack because it doesn't understand all of the like nuances that go into making it itself, right? There's not a lot of blackjack, first of all. That's what I'm I want to say. There's not no, there's enough plenty for of blackjack. There's there's a good amount of blackjack. What are you talking about? So There's plenty of blackjack. I mean, there's the original manga which wasn't that long, uh, honestly. Um and there was the 90s anime and the 2000s anime. I, I don't know the full range. I know it's like 
you know, one of the more seminal works from Tezuka, but I don't think there's enough to fully populate uh, an AI to make like a flawless episode. You'd have to like supplement it with stuff, right? Well, there's plenty of posthumous blackjack. I mean, people have been doing blackjack for a while. I mean, humans imitating his style. Now, now we're passing the baton to uh, robots. Um, this is morbid and grotesque, and I just want to like stake out my position here. This is grave robbing. Well, like, this is 100%. the natural progression of the of the Peter Cushing bot from that Star Wars movie, right? <laughs> Cushing bot. <laughs> Cushing droid attack. <laughs> uh, or you know, bringing back Princess Leia uh, with CGI. Um, or if you yeah. want to get even more similar, right? Uh, last year, James Earl Jones officially retired from doing Darth Vader, and Disney said that they have like a complete uh, AI. They can just feed whatever lines they want into it to make it sound like Darth Vader. They already had a Darth Vader sound font for like GPS units for mm-hmm. years now. I mean, for a long time, you could get him tell you uh, when you missed your your left turn or whatever. Well, I think I think the distinction now is like with audio AI constructions, you can like make different takes of the same line, right? As opposed to just a filter that you apply to a voice bot. No, I mean, the sound font is literally like they sat down and like cut up a bunch of phonemes. Uh, It's really fucked up. It's basically the same way they construct Vocaloids. The difference being like Vocaloids are are, uh, extremely granular, whereas uh, I think if you bought... Uh, a Vader sound font for your Garmin GPS uh, device in in what? When was the last time anybody used those things? Two thousand eight <laughs> or whatever. It's got to be at that the latest. Yeah, it, it would not be uh, at, at quite as quality. Uh, not the quality Darth Vader that you come to expect. <laughs> there really should have been a Hatsune Miku cameo in one of those Star Wars anime shorts. God damn it! I hate Hatsune Miku so much. I fucking hate Hatsune Miku. God damn it. That's, but that's a whole different thing. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't know I struck a chord there. Yeah. Moving on from this incredibly depressing topic, let's let's move on uh, to something a little uh, a little bit lighter in the news. Did you see this? Uh, <laughs> you, you hear this one? Uh, <laughs> this one is disturbing to me on a completely different level. In, in honor of the most recent Spy Family arc, they are doing a Spy Family cruise in Tokyo Bay. Uh-huh. That seems a bit morbid. I I find this very strange. You, you know, on, on first glance, you're like, well, it's whatever. You know, they're you go out on a boat. Uh, they put up some, I don't know, posters of Lloyd and Anya around the deck or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like you get drunk. The, the thing that I find incredibly strange and bad about this is you get on the boat. The boat is essentially a floating ball that only sells Spy Family merchandise. Okay. And... Then you you float around on it for, it says here, an hour and a half uh, buying Spy Family merchandise, and then they throw your ass off. And, and can you can you call that a cruise? Is that like is that legal? Well, it depends on how much of the merchandise is, you know, exclusive to the cruise stores, uh, because if it, if a significant portion of it is, then, yeah, sign me up. I'm all about that exclusive merch. <laughs> my, I guess my main hang-up is, like, I always think of cruises as, like, you go out for, like, three, four days or whatever. You get extremely drunk over, like, a weekend. Um, maybe you, like, disembark uh, at a beach in, I don't know, 
Bali or Jamaica or whatever, uh, you annoy the fuck out of the locals and then you go home. Well, I um, that is the you know the main understanding of the word. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. But I think if we take it literally, a cruise is just a a leisurely ride on a boat with no indication really of how long it's supposed to be. Have you ever been on a boat? I've been on at least a boat. Yes. <laughs> how long were you on the boat? More than an hour? Yeah, uh, at least several hours. Several hours. Yeah. Wow. Because, I, like I said, this is an hour and a half. You barely leave the dock. Well, you know, Tokyo Bay isn't that big. It says here, let's see what they say. You you go from Yokohama, you arrive at uh, Tokyo Takeshiba at 7.45 at night. Yeah. Yeah, that takes about 90 minutes. That makes sense. When you take the ferry, what is that? Like an hour, maybe? Half an hour? Takes about an hour, Yeah. Yeah. Do you call that a cruise? Well, no, because I think the the, the <laughs> distinguishing feature is that it's leisurely. A cruise is something you do for pleasure. Going on the ferry, that is a that is functional. Can you buy alcohol on the ferry? Yes. Okay, so it's a cruise. That uh, is a cruise. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Can't argue that. <laughs> yeah, if you can get drunk on a boat, I think. Hey, I'm gonna go I, take if, a cruise look, to Seattle this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Look, all I'm saying is if you if the time limit doesn't matter at all, I think that's the only distinguishing feature between a boat ride and a cruise. I I mean that's the only line I can think I of. I mean generally cruises don't have cars on them, but you know, that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> would you would you take a cruise specifically to buy Spy Family guess, merch? Yes. Spy Family merch you can only get on the night of the cruise. That is what I said at the start of this. That would be the whole purpose of going. I'm on that collectible merch life. You would go because of the collectibles. Yes. That's why anybody would go. Well, hold on. Let me see the price. The a ticket is 13 bucks. Uh yeah, I would pay. Uh, yeah, I would I would, would do pay that. I would, I would pay 13 that. bucks to get exclusive Spy Fam merch. You can't get anywhere else. Uh, sorry. Well, that's just the ticket. You also have to pay for the merch. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's kind of funny because a whole subplot of of the boat story in Spy Family is like about Lloyd deliberating about what souvenirs to buy on the boat, right? Yeah, stupid bullshit <laughs> yeah. that it sucks and is lame. <laughs> yeah, that is, I mean, this is really funny. Okay, look, if they sell the little skeleton keychain that he thinks is really stupid, like, that would get me. I think that would actually get me. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, yeah, they, that's That's funny. the kind of shit I would be there for. Yeah. See, I that thought, I, when you first said Spy Family Cruise, uh, even if it's only 90 minutes, I was envisioning something much more uh, interactive. I, you know, how they do like those like murder mystery dinners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would want them to do something like that. That would be a great spy family tie in, right? Like a show. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, you're doing the, the the acrobatic fight scene or something. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that would be cool. Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Uh, here, okay, here's uh, yet again. This is very. Uh, this is corpse robbing adjacent. Apparently, uh, Togashi Yu Yu Hakusho and and Hunter Hunter mm -hmm. really morbidly has been talking a lot about his death. <laughs> he's only 57, but he's out here in the news talking about what his plans for Hunter Hunter if he dies, which is like. Damn, well, dude. you know, I think Miura's early death really hit a lot of people, especially after he looked like he was on the upturn from his battle with cancer, right? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these dudes, like, drop 
all the time though. I, I don't know if Miura's case is particularly special, as awful as it is to say. Uh, I think these guys kind of just croak. I, I imagine how fucking humiliating it is to beat cancer and then die from overwork for your manga anyway. It's really awful. I mean, truly, like, the karmic scales are truly unbalanced. Uh, it's fucked up. Yeah. So I don't know what the deal is, but he's out here. Maybe Tagashi's just like a really big Game of Thrones fan and he's realizing he's never going to get another book. Well, I mean, speaking of that, uh, there was that actually some there was some movement on george's george's part in a similar vein i have to say uh not anime though so we won't get into it <laughs> yeah movement towards the snack table hey oh <laughs> jesus christ that is a leno <laughs> cut <bit>. that out <laughs> <laughs> no uh so tagashi is out here and he's like if i die i want people to know the ending of hunter hunter uh so he basically laid out that he's come up with four endings and at some kind of weird press event i guess uh he described one of the endings that he basically said he's not going to use and that's <laughs> hey, just it could have been this one but it's not now because i told you about it yeah he said a he has four endings that he's labeled a through d and he said A, B, and C, he has a pretty good idea uh, of what how they'd be received, but he's decided against ending D uh, for whatever reason. It looks, he describes it a little bit. He says basically it's like a huge flash forward to Gon's grandchild. Um, you kind of get the idea. Oh, very sentimental uh, without a lot of closure, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm like trying to think if this has ever happened before. I, I can't think of anything. Yeah, a long-running series. The author just comes out and says, "I'm my, if I die, here's the ending of my story." I just that is bizarre, right? That is really weird. Um. Well, I don't know what uh, Robert Jordan. He didn't do it publicly, but he like picked his successor, right? Uh, with what's his face, Brandon Sanderson. Yes, with the Wheel of Time books, Branderson. Well, he knew Branderson was already in the middle of writing one. Like, he had one in the back burner already. Hey, you're already writing fanfic of this, right? <laughs> you're, you've got a couple in uh, just like you did for fun, like sitting around. You might as well publish one of those. Yeah, I think that's a, that is a bit different. Yeah. I'm going to go out and say that's, a, that's slightly different. <laughs> uh, hey, Togashi, uh, chin, chin up, buddy. It's going to be okay. You know, yeah, some people just kind of get wistful around that age, right? 57? <laughs> well, you know, 57's <laughs> the new uh, 30, they say. <laughs> you can't even get Social Security yet. Yeah. Well, you know, they're going to die early anyway, so they're entitled to early benefits. <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to cash in early. Uh, <laughs> hey, Tagashi, big ups to you. Uh, uh, like, uh, think positive, man. You're, you're going to get through this, whatever the fuck's happening. Uh, these horrible wrist cramps you're having or something. You're you're going to be okay, buddy. Uh, he's okay. just waiting. He's just waiting for his like Bill Murray lost in translation moment where he meets a, a, a quirky Japanese girl at an American airport. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't like that movie either. Now that we're on that. <laughs> I think that movie's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it is a weird movie. Uh, also, I, I think uh, uh, Takeuchi, the uh, creator of Sailor Moon, and his wife might have a couple things uh, to say about that. Oh, 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 she, she might not like that one. 
<laughs> all right, all right. Okay, this is better news. Uh, this is better news. Um, and this is something, this was a bit of a called shot for me. I definitely pointed into outfield for this one, but uh, I, I'm not going to give myself too many kudos because this is pretty obvious, but uh, that Dan to Dan uh, anime finally got announced. Hey! Yeah, the nice thing is it's being done by... Uh, Drum roll. A, a recent favorite, Science Saru. No, oh shit, no way. That Specifically, is... it is Fuga Yamashiro, who was the director of Tatami Time Machine Blues. Yeah, all right, suddenly I'm very interested. Well, you should have been interested anyway, because Dan to Dan just absolutely fucking kicks ass and rules. It's got a lot of pretty great people on it. I'm pretty impressed. The character designer off of Gundam Hathaway and, and Berserk Golden Arc is doing the main characters, and, and uh, Yoshimichi Kameda from Mob Psycho is doing all the aliens. Dope. Uh, and ghosts and stuff. Hell so yeah, like, hell that's, yeah. That's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So, like, holy shit. And, and, and they put a... a a very short trailer up and it just it already looks really great i don't think i could have asked for a better one especially uh considering this next piece of news uh which isn't really news it's more of like hey what's what's going on with mappa oh yeah this is what everybody's talking about right now well it's the i mean it's the same thing everyone's been talking about you know it's crunch right it's the crunch it seems maybe a little bit more than crunch you know, as bad as Crunch is, it does have the idea built in that it would end at some point. You know, you're right. Reading what some of these guys are talking about, it seems like there is no end. It does seem rather um, abusive and exploitative. Extraordinarily so. Yeah. And, you know, for the last few years, uh, there's been a lot more talk about like labor conditions in in entertainment industries Mm -hmm. uh specifically like you know the video game industry a lot of people have been talking out not just about crunch but like a lot of different working conditions but uh anime you know we all we all kind of know i mean it's an open secret i mean fuck like there how many how many documentaries behind the scenes documentaries uh have there been about ghibli like we know these people are being horribly mistreated they sacrifice their health and and their social lives and their family lives uh for the pursuit of of being able to create which like i understand i understand the creative drive but it, it feels like <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's why i have a podcast yeah the creative drive to draw the background of one scene of one episode well, no of that Jujutsu is that's Kaisen. that's the exploitation right is everybody yeah. wants to be like an artist that that makes something notable and and good and revered and and loved uh, but the reality is that cherished. there's yeah cherished uh, there's a <laughs> lot of people like drawing is a skill that not a lot of people have but even when you you filter there's like a lot of artists you know that's kind of where uh, the industry has the advantage because everybody wants to everybody wants to get the chance not everybody does everybody wants to be out here drawing extremely horny art of uh shonen heroes that's <laughs> everybody's dream first of all first of all artists do that for free there's no prompting which maybe that's why that's why <laughs> they're having an issue to begin with they're giving it away for free out there no no there's patreons for this stuff now 
<laughs> you know, it's funny. Porn artists, like independent porn artists online, basically function how Dare told us drug dealers would in real life, where they give oh. you like some sample chapters for free. It's like, all right, pay up if you want to see the rest now. <laughs> I have been thinking about that a lot because, like, porn is definitely got. It's got to be the most lucrative way. Like, in general, if you're working for yourself independently, it seems like you're going to you're going to want to be doing porn. I mean, that's where the money is, right? I mean, well, it, there's a there's a myriad of reasons why porn is is the thing to do. Right. That's where the money is, obviously. But it also oh, he's doing it's the just, money. He's doing, he's the, doing money the money thing, thing with the fingers, with the fingers. With that fingers. means money. <laughs> But it's also just like, you know, if you think about it, it's a fun, dynamic thing for an artist to draw, right? It lets you, uh, you know... <laughs> bodies slapping. <laughs> bodies slapping, obviously. Uh, range of dynamic poses, if you know what I'm That's talking what about. That's what happens when the body starts slapping. <laughs> yeah, you can draw porn literally anywhere. There's no background that's off limits. Well, no, that's not true because, like, we, if you remember only uh, scant six years ago, Tumblr almost cratered itself by banning porn. Well, I wasn't talking about publishing. I was talking about literally the setting of the of the art piece. Oh, well, well I'm talking about how people put their eyeballs on the stuff. Uh-huh. I don't know. Are the kids on Mastodon these days? I don't think anybody's using Mastodon. <laughs> I have a co-host. Is that I, I haven't seen a single other person on there. It's like a ghost town. <laughs> hey, check us out on our Not Safe for Work co-host account. <laughs> I'm following literally nothing but at Tumbleweed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that was funny, right? Uh, the thing that's really unprecedented about this MAPPA thing is that uh, you know, the, all these guys have to sign NDAs. It's like a huge thing. Mm-hmm. It's actually gotten so crazy that in California they've made NDAs literally unenforceable because people were going like hog wild with that shit. That's been that's been kind of like a standard Hollywood thing for a long time. Yeah, but it but it's ec- extremely common practice in anime workplaces in in Japan. Everybody has to sign an NDA. Uh, and they are very enforceable there. And stacking that on top of um, Japan's, uh, frankly, bonkers uh, anti-defamation laws makes... It's true. They do have some of the like the weirdest and most draconian anti-defamation laws like out there. It's pretty wild once you look into it. Yes, yes. But the idea that not only are you under NDA, but that a comp- your, your workplace... Oh, and also you are a contractor who is like, you know, not even fully employed by the company you're working for. And if you go out and you explain that your work environment is like abusive, they can sue you into the ground. I mean, what you're describing is the experience of an undocumented worker in America. I know, right? Isn't that insane? (laughs) Except this is Japan doing it to Japanese citizens. (laughs) Yeah, you're not picking strawberries. You're hunched over a desk, literally like breaking your back so that you can add an extra minute to the fight scene where uh, Sukuna kills the the fire curse. The one thing that I keep coming back to is that Simpsons joke. It's like, you know, it becomes very hard on the hands to animate live. (laughs) That's like basically the level that they have pushed the uh the mappa staff to they are animating these jujutsu kaisen 
episodes weekly as no as they are airing they are putting scenes in (laughs) if you slow it down you can see interns between the frames yeah the fingernails are going (laughs) in and out uh the the jaw-dropping part here is uh one of the directors was making a statement and they described that uh they did now i i this might not be it was a little misleading the statement but i believe he said they did the jujitsu kaisen movie in four months that's insane four months 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 it's hard for me to say that word as in like 16 weeks yeah i mean there's there's no way to accomplish that without like uh, human rights abuses occurring yes that like actual war crimes are yeah. involved in in cranking up and not only that but like that movie looks good it looks really good it doesn't look like shit which is what you would expect yeah that's i don't know it you know the map has been really blowing up lately in the last few years because you know obviously jujitsu chainsaw man uh doro hidoro uh, the uh, well before that even I mean they were doing Attack on Titan when it became insanely popular yeah Attack you know, on they Titan did Finland Saga Finland Saga Jigogoraku yeah they were doing uh they've been on a roll for years and years now and and just last month the president of the company or the CEO I can't remember which one but he was on interview saying like yeah we have no intention of stopping like uh picking up as many new IPs as possible yeah. Well, uh, I wasn't going to mention it, but they're putting out another movie um, in a couple months. A jiu-jitsu movie? Not a jiu-jitsu movie. Um, oh. An original work. Oh, okay. It has MAPPA... Do they have any original anime so far? God, I don't know. I mean, yes, definitely, but I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah, there's a movie called... Now, I, <laughs> I kind of hope this is not the final... Uh, title, but it is called Alice and Teresa's Illusion Factory, which sounds like a 90s game where you like drag and drop little icons uh, and you roll a marble down. I mean, I play that game. That sounds like a comfy ass game. (laughs) I mean, it's dope, but it's like, yeah, I don't I don't know about that. And again, uh, I've seen the trailer. It doesn't look like shit. This is clearly an insane amount of work went into this the trailer looks amazing yeah i'm looking at some screenshots right now it's real pretty you know Uh, i like the art style um i'm i'm into the premise for the most part but can they do this without like literally someone dying well yeah and you know what the the topper here is that uh they're also concurrently working on the yuri on ice movie see they just keep stacking stuff yeah I just, I can't imagine. And, you know, again... It's not sustainable. A lot of this stuff, there's a lot of outsourcing. There's a lot of contracting work, right? Mm-hmm. But this is... I mean, this is getting insane. I think we gave a rundown of, like, Sayansaru, their projects, over the last, God, 10 years or something. And MAPPA has done more series in the last, like, year and a half than Sayatsara has done since they started. I, I mean, this is very obviously a disconnect between the people making the most money and the people doing the actual labor, right? They're just going to push these guys until <laughs> uh, until the entire studio collapses, and then 
I don't know, they'll just make a new studio. Hold on, hold on. Are you telling me there's some kind of materialist analysis you could make that would describe how the working conditions relate back uh, to the economic conditions of the studio? Listen, I'm not trying to go on some kind of screed or, you know, publish a manifesto or anything. Hold on. You're not a dirty communist, are you? Whoa, okay. You said oh, okay. we're, we're not right. going to go there. <laughs> let's let's move uh, on to the next thing here. What? Anything else? Okay, okay. I do want to say, though, uh, that Kakiguri show uh, that they did a while back for Netflix is one of the best-looking anime I have ever seen in my life. It's incredible what they accomplished. For a show that is essentially just horny gambling... They went so fucking hard. It's mind-boggling. Would you want it to be bad? No, I mean, I don't want it to be. I'm just saying that they, even their throwaway stuff, I'm not saying Kakiguri wasn't popular, but, you know, people aren't raving about Kakiguri in the streets. Mm -hmm. They did some of the most impressive animation work I have literally ever seen. For Kakiguri, I don't know. It blows my mind. You said it's, it's horny gambling, though. It's not like kaiji, where it's like fun gambling, death game gambling. This is horny gambling, and that's why it got the money. It is It is also a little bit death game gambling. There's definitely some fucked up shit. Horny takes precedence over everything, though. Like, you, that's that's how it works. Uh, they're definitely not. I mean, yes, they are compatible. They are. They're very compatible. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not, not a lot of people talking about Kekiguri these days. Uh, you know what people are talking about? Oh, what? That Makoto Shinkai movie. Suzume. Suzume. You just watched that recently, huh? Yeah, now I want to transition into talking about anime. What do you think about that? Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, that's right. I watched anime. I watched some more anime. And not just Jujutsu Kaisen, not just Spy Family. Uh, I watched an anime movie called Suzume by Makoto Shinkai. Yeah, I don't think anybody's heard of that so far. Uh, Makoto Shinkai, the guy who does the the sappy Oscar bait anime, put out a new movie called Suzume. Uh, it's been pretty <laughs> popular. It's been pretty popular. You know, the thing is, I like Makoto Shinkai. I, I don't want to sound like a hater when I call him uh, sappy Oscar bait, <laughs> but he does. I, I don't know how many of his movies you've seen, but I've seen a few, and they what have, have I seen? Um, I've seen The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, and I've seen uh, Your Name, obviously. We watched that one together. Right. I haven't seen Suzume yet. What else has he done? That may be it. No, he did The the Place uh, Promise in Our Early Days. That was a really big one. He did Weathering With You. That was a really big one. Um he did five centimeters a second. That was mm-hmm. a really big one. Garden of Words. Uh, I actually don't know anything about that one. I know that that went up on Netflix um, at one point, and that was kind yeah. of like an introductory point for a lot of people to Makoto Shinkai's work. It, it, I, it was notable to me because I saw like a bunch of uh, posts online comparing the art in the movie to actual locations around Tokyo that it was referenced from yeah. and how more or less photorealistic the backdrop paintings were in that movie. Oh, I thought you were going to say how much better they look in the anime. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, uh, of course everything looks better in 2d. That's where the anime girls are. I want to go to there. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
I mean, I would never describe any of those movies as bad, right? No. They're quality-ass movies. When you call them uh, Oscar bad, I know what you mean. They are, you know, e- emotional, uh, sometimes romance, sometimes not. But they're saccharine, I guess is the word I, I was looking for. Saccharine is, is a great word. I would kind of say sterile. I wouldn't say sterile, no. I, I think his aesthetic I find to be... It's sort of like the platonic ideal of an anime movie. See, I was about to say it's like his style is anime ass anime, you know? It is anime ass anime. Yes, exactly. In that way that it's like if you it's I mean, not to invoke the AI again, but if you typed like give me AI anime, uh give me anime to an AI, it would it would use Makoto Shinkai's Makoto aesthetic. Shinkai's style is aesthetically pleasing in all of the ways that you want anime to to be good to look at. Yes, uh, without being over exaggerated in any one aspect. Yeah, I, I and again I don't mean this as like a slam, but you know how people complained about uh, Howl's Moving Castle being kind of the most generic looking Ghibli movie? Uh, yeah, I mean. Me personally, no, but I could see where that's coming from. It it has the I think the least identity to its own uh, style, and I feel like that's Makoto Shinkai's kind of like perfected that look a little bit. And you know, I think that translates into the kind of stories he likes to tell too, because he has his own like narrative uh, ticks. I would say not even quirks, but ticks like, hey, guess what? If you were worried that like he doesn't shoehorn in time travel in some way into this into this story, uh, rest assured he does. Don't worry. He, he definitely gets it in there. If you're worried that like there wasn't sort of like a big central uh, magical realism metaphor that plays out that doesn't really come together at the end. Uh-huh. Don't worry. It's in there. If you're worried, let's say that there isn't a, a completely inexplicable romance between two obviously incompatible people, uh, don't worry. It's, it's in, in there. there. It's in there, baby. <laughs> I like the movie. I had a good time, but I will probably like not think about it ever again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that that's its intended purpose, though. You know, it's it's uh, it is feel good juice is is what yes. it's there for it's just weird because to say about something that i thought like in the process of watching it is beautiful let me put it this way at. makoto shinkai would never make something like tokyo godfathers no no he would not yeah also i have to interject with with an embarrassing confession Uh-oh. Uh, makoto shinkai did not direct the girl who, le- who left through time that was uh mamoru husoda uh, <gasps> I know, absolutely embarrassing, but I felt it was uh, appropriate to come clean now. I mean, I'm glad that you were honest about it. Um, I guess this is going to have to be our final episode. <laughs> <laughs> I fucked up so bad. <laughs> that was so bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It's it's a It, it occupies a weird space in anime. I feel like this is definitely the kind of movie you would show to people who are on the fence about animation in general. This is the, like, no, no, like, it's a real movie. It's like, it's not like yeah. anime, dude. Like, exactly. trust me. You put this on after Thanksgiving when, like, your family is too lethargic to talk to each other. 
uh, and you're like, look, look, it's like the it's a it's a cool anime thing, and they go like, yeah, I guess. See, I watched your name when I was incredibly high on mushrooms, and that was a pretty good viewing experience. <laughs> well, yeah, duh. I mean, you don't have to brag. Uh, <laughs> I am bragging. You fucking losers I out was, there. I was, I was saying, if you're pretty fucked up, like watching Makoto Shinkai movies are great because you can just like cry, and then you have like a beautiful resolution. You can get all like warm and fuzzy about it. Mm-hmm. Like very good trip sitter kind of movie. Do you, you know, it's like, oh, not too much danger. No, it's not see, too much. You know, the stakes are emotional at the end of the day, not catastrophic. Yes. And there's a clean resolution that um, isn't ever heartbreaking. It's just like nice and gentle. The tension in your name specifically isn't whether or not they're going to be able to stop the meteor from destroying the town. It's whether or not they're going to find each other again at the end. Hey, are they going to (laughs) fuck? Hey, hey, are those teens going (laughs) to fuck when they grow up and it's appropriate? (laughs) Obviously. I mean, you know, they have to wait a few years to reconnect. But like when that happens. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's it's on. (laughs) Uh, Bobby's (laughs) don't really. I when, when you hear that music happen, the bodies start slapping. You don't really care about the the cartoon uh, danger. It's like, yeah, whatever. And I found in Suzume the most disappointing thing is that the cartoon danger is so ill defined that it's hard to even take seriously. I'm not even sure what Suzume is about. It's about like uh, jumping through doors. Right. Well, if if you've ever heard Makoto Shinkai talk about his own work, he talks about how he he thinks about the the 2011 earthquakes a lot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and how it's been really influential in his work. Hey, speaking of that, in Science Saru, uh, uh, Japan sinks 2020. Uh, watch that. Just gonna throw out. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, also uh, play that video game. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So in this one, it is the most literal I think he's ever done because the the cartoon danger is literally like a weird entity that causes earthquakes. Whoa! Uh, how random and totally not related to his personal trauma. Yes. So you kind of get the idea. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with it. I think again, like if you put this script into like a, a fucking script writing class, this is definitely getting an A. Like for sure, but maybe that's the problem. I don't it, know. It would I be funny know. if he like vehemently denies it. If someone ever asked him about that, you know, like uh, Tolkien denies that that the plots of World War Two, yeah, World had War Two, anything to do with Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I hate allegory. Yeah. It had nothing to do with my writing. <laughs> Subtext is for cowards. Yes, Makoto son, do you think about the earthquake a lot? Like what earthquake? What is an earthquake? Yeah, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we all had a good time, but, you know, it's it's a Makoto Shinkai movie. That's really the only thing I can say about it. Yeah. Besides all that stuff I just said about it. <laughs> but I did watch, because I did talk a little shit. Oh, right, I forgot you have two more things on here. Yes, I know you can't read, but you can you can, you can can count, right? <laughs> so far, haven't lost that ability Damn. yet. Got him, got his ass. I just want to mention these because I did, uh, you know, a little bit after Halloween and all that, we were talking a lot about horror, and I did kind of shit on anime horror a little bit, saying there's not that many, like, anime horror series, you know, that are that are actual horror and not, like, battle shonen horror, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I went ahead and I watched Shiki, which uh, had a lot of people talking in the the forums 
the awful, awful forums uh, and read the awful, awful comments by the awful people who post about anime online. Don't expose yourself to that stuff, man. Yeah, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Let us be the buffer. Don't get your opinions from some rando comment online. Those are bad opinions. Get them from us. We have them uh, farm-grown organic. We are the only objectively correct opinions on anime that you're going to find on the internet. I, it's true. I know we haven't said that in a few episodes, but that is that is true. And, you know, to form those opinions, we do have to put eye balls on things at some point right so i threw shiki on and uh i gotta say it is straight up horror like no bones there's no fucking battle anime shit happening here uh there's no romance subplot it is just horror ass horror which I love. I thought that was one of the strongest things about it. Well, you were texting you were texting me about it while you were watching. You described it as anime Salem's Lot. Yeah, that was the first thing that struck me. After a few episodes where it got into the rhythm of like what we were actually dealing with, uh, I realized this is anime Salem's Lot. Now, it's better. Was there a Stephen King character? It's better than Salem's Lot. There is. Uh, funnily enough, there is a monk who writes uh, fictional novels. Oh, uh, see, that's not, that is not a coincidence. They know they're Stephen King. It's hard to say. He is, uh, he is a conflicted monk because he did try to kill himself. He has, he has the scars and that plays into a big part of his character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is not, he, he is one of our main three players but he doesn't really play the traditional author character in in Salem's Lot or or other Stephen King works. He's definitely more of a tertiary character. Our main character shakes out to be the town's clinical doctor who is sort of the first person who starts to fight back against this small town's uh, vampire invasion. The the secret invasion. <laughs> oh wait, no, that's copyrighted. We can't we can't oh, uh, shit. say that phrase. Covert invasion. Yeah, uh, the the vampire weekend has started. Yes, now it, kind of in a in a sort of similar way that Stephen King uses the theme of of small towns in in some of his works. Specifically, I'm thinking about Salem's Lot or Cujo. It happens a little bit in Cujo, in the the sort of antipathy of a small town. People start dying in the small town, and instead of taking it seriously, people kind of just turn a blind eye to it. And that's really the the main theme. That's the Stephen King thing in It. Yes. That's what they do in yes. It. Yes, exactly. Very much like It. It's this small town. And this is, I think, a big criticism of, of small town Japan in a lot of works I've read is is the antipathy that these small towns hold in the face of like actual crises. And I believe, you know, uh, uh, this is obviously metaphorizing many, many small town issues, especially uh, population drain. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, small towns are disappearing in Japan because most people are just just leaving and never coming back. Yeah. And leaving aging populations that don't reproduce uh, to be the only inhabitants of all these small towns and towns just quietly go away. Right. Yeah. Uh, And that's not just Japan. That's a lot of in in the American South. This has been happening a lot, too, where towns uh, slowly bleed out because in our in our case, a lot of the time it's happening uh, literally because of Walmart putting a bunch of people out of jobs and they can no longer afford to own homes. And so they fucking move away. Uh, that kind of thing. It's Economic slightly different pressure. in Japan, where the case is literally just all of the all of the jobs are in three cities, 
at this point. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. And so that is metaphorized by, you know, as horror does, uh, monsters. Mm -hmm. In this case, vampires. And to not put too fine a point on it, but they are the the rich aristocratic family that move into the uh, inexplicable European castle that sits <laughs> on the hill above small town Japan. Uh, it's so now, weird. Now, is that explained in the story or is that just totally, are we supposed to take that at face value that this castle has always been there? They make a cursory attempt at explaining that like, uh, at some point in history, these people, these rich people came in and they wanted to build a, as they call it, a quote-unquote European-style house. Okay, so this isn't like a Castlevania situation where, like, the vampires literally summon a castle into an area where it once was not. No, no. They don't summon a castle. There just happens to be one there. And again, it's totally baffling that they call this castle, which is literally a castle. I'm talking about parapets. I'm mm-hmm. talking about fucking stone walls, massive gates. They keep calling it a European-style house, which is very funny to me. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, is, it is bleak. It is devastatingly uh, honest, I think, when it comes to the the tragedy unfolding. It is unflinchingly sincere about its own despair, which I think is what really hit me. It's it's sentimental uh, without being nihilistic, which is kind of the big pitfall of a lot of horror, especially stuff like this, where it's about the complete and total collapse of a population. Mm -hmm. And it handles its reversal in a really, really good way where generally, like in Salem's Lot, you play out a vampire invasion to its end. And instead of doing that, they take it a little bit further because the humans fight back, right? And it is not triumphant. They are not heroic about it. Uh, it is scary, it is brutal, and it is sad. Did you ever see uh, that movie, 30 Days of Night? You know, no, I always skip that one. Uh, give that one a watch. I think it's it's not quite on this level, but I think it shares a lot of similarities with what you're describing. Yeah. Especially with the brutality of the human resistance after they realize what's going on. I'd be interested to see that. Yeah. Because this was the, the, the element that I thought was unique about it. Yeah. Well, so I think there's, there's even crossover, you know, Shiki, you said is kind of in a small dying Japanese town, uh, in the mountains. Right. And yeah. 30 Days of Night takes place at, like, some bumfuck town in middle of nowhere, Alaska. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So kind of the same thing, you know, a low population uh, that's only sustained kind of by by government intervention keeping the elderly there. Right. Uh, yeah. That sounds that sounds honestly awesome. That sounds better than most vampire anime that I've, I've come in contact with, which, to be oh, yeah. frankly honest, is either mostly shown in battle stuff like you described, you know, yeah. uh, or just straight up horny shit. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think, I think this is really unique because it avoids both of those things in clever and interesting ways. And it is 
really, really dedicated to following through all of its ideas in clever and interesting ways uh, without, without ever being like, oh, I'm clevering you. I'm so clever. Uh, it never does that, which I find to be very respectful of its audience, yeah. which I like. I think this is really good. I think the way it focuses on telling people's individual stories while also uh, weaving them into a larger story is like perfect small town storytelling. Uh, the only thing I have to say is it's got some bad 2000s anime face. Oh, no. I was about to ask how the animation quality is. Yes. The direction is perfect. Spot on. I have to say. Like, the direction is amazing. I just think some of the character design choices are so goofy. I don't really understand how they made it past, I don't know, first glance check. Except that it was in a heavily... I don't know, 2000s anime face era. Yeah, so we're talking about some real quality stuff with a capital Q. It looks like um, <laughs> Danganronpa sometimes, which is strange. It just really threw me for a Okay, loop. wasn't expecting yeah. that, but all right. So this was like genuinely really good and devastating, and I, I fucking loved it actually scary anime all right yeah now on the last thing i watched just on that tip i didn't finish this uh i watched uh the first like four or five episodes of hell girl most people are probably familiar with this already this is another urban legend uh horror anthology style horror this is a lot like shows like uh, boogie pop phantom in that style of like Japanese anthology horror. Okay. Uh, people who are having a hard time, almost always like getting bullied in some way, uh, go to the Hell Girl website, type in the name of the person they want to be cursed, uh, and then Hell Girl will appear to them and be like, hey, are you sure? Because if you curse someone, like you go to hell. And they like think about it for, you know, a couple minutes. And usually, almost always, they're like, yeah, it's worth it. Uh, and then Hell Girl takes uh, revenge, and this is played out, you know, over a series. So of, it's a, this is a school shooter fantasy, is what you're describing. Sometimes, sometimes they're different stories, and the person who's asking for vengeance isn't always portrayed as like the good one. You know what I mean? I suppose. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah, I I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, I I can see what you mean, but still, uh, it it's. I, I'm always wary of premises that dip too far into like revenge as the central catharsis for for the show, right? Yes, revenge is really slippery narrative device uh, for storytellers because a lot of times revenge stories are told in a way where they're like, well, you know, getting revenge is uh, bittersweet because it always rebounds on you. But the actual stories they portray are like, revenge is awesome. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that, that's usually how it actually plays out. And this sometimes plays with that idea. Sometimes it sees it through and sometimes it kind of falls on its face. Uh, I guess that's the, that's the strength of being an anthology, right? Is you get you get a new shot at it every episode. Uh, it's it's all right. I'm pretty late to the Hell Girl party here, so 
probably not saying anything revelatory, but it's uh, it's an urban legend ass horror anthology ass Japanese horror ass anime. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's Hellgirl. Uh, Jigoku Shokujo. Sure, whatever you just said. It's the Japanese title. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. All God right. damn it. <laughs> It's come to my uh, attention that Nate has been uh, very bad. He has yet again completely disobeyed my direct instructions and has chosen on his own a series of manga to read. I went off on my own. I don't need your instruction anymore. I have surpassed the master. I cannot abide this. I can't believe yet again. I mean, the... The direct challenge to my authority is starting to get uh, a little ridiculous. Um, Your evil reign shall end one day, and I'll be there to pick up the pieces. Never. Never. You know what? I get distracted for just a couple weeks reading One Piece, and, like, <laughs> this dude just, like, runs. Just He just runs rampant. You know? Hey, you know what? When when the master's away, you gotta get, you gotta get the sugar you can. Baby, <laughs> the mice will play. Yeah, when bodies start slapping. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Are we going to talk about Tezuka again, or you want to talk about this stuff? <laughs> no, I'm just warning you. I, I'm I'm at about ten fifty. I'm almost there. I'm almost caught up on One Piece. Oh God, no! I read Luffy Fifth Gear like just last night. I am almost up there. Yes. Oh, and I've got to say, I, I just as a side note, I get the Luffy gear five hype now it's it's cool he finally uh, fulfills his destiny of becoming bugs bunny <laughs> his his true luffy's true power is revealed does he finally wear a marilyn monroe outfit i mean basically yeah he, he like literally his powers awaken and his powers turn out to be looney tunes <laughs> like i am not joking that is literally what happens uh, I could not be more literal when I say his powers turn out to be Looney Tunes. Okay, if he's Bugs, who is his Elmer Fudd? Um, you could say that's Smoker. Now, now. Smoker-san. Now, what about it like a, um, would Usopp be like his Daffy Duck? Usopp is 100% Daffy Duck. Yeah? Yes. Oh, yeah. They have kind of no like a, a friendly rivalry going on. Yeah, but also like Usopp is kind of like, he's the smug, arrogant coward <laughs> uh, who lies a lot. And he's got that duck bill. Of course, obviously. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I, Chopper, I've gone... Chopper is, Chopper is uh, Porky Pig, of course. Does he have a lisp? No, but I mean... Or even a stutter? He kind of does, a little, I mean, a little bit. He's got his own vocal tick. Are, are you just calling him Porky Pig because he's an animal? It's more than that, but you'd, you'd get it. Uh, Frankie, obviously, is uh, Tasmanian Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> the Tasmanian Daredevil? Yeah, the Tasmanian Daredevil, as, as we call him. <laughs> okay, we're losing the plot here. <laughs> All right, what did you read? You went ahead and you just you did a little sampler plate without my input at all. I did. So I went out and I got myself own. a little poo-poo platter of chapter oh, ones. Come on. 
<laughs> they don't be crass. <laughs> Wait, see, it's what they call it in Hawaii. I don't care. I don't use those kinds of words uh, when we're on air. We're trying to put out a dignified anime <laughs> podcast. Oh, uh, my apologies. <laughs> I didn't know the, the queen was listening. <laughs> Uh, so w- what did you read? <laughs> but yeah, I, I went I went and read some stuff. Um, well, uh, I'll start off with one that was on your list. Uh, I I didn't realize I didn't cross reference when I was reading it, but uh, uh, this is Magical Girl Subame. I will not save the world, which I really really liked the the chapter that I read. I'm super into the art style. It's very weird and like cartoon. It's like very cartoony is is how I would describe it. It's still uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you mean because it's a cartoon? Well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very, it, it's hard to put into words. It's recognizably anime, you know, manga for sure. But uh, everything is just kind of slightly off from from what you would expect. Like the main character, uh, her whole design, she has like this weird oblong shaped head and her eyes are super wide apart. Uh, giving her, frankly, kind of an alien appearance most of the time. Yes, uh, this is by the author of P P P P P P P P P P. I don't, I don't know how many P's are in it. I forget. Man, you uh, just told me off for using for using words like that. This is, hey, look, that's what it's called. I'm not joking. <laughs> this I is was... by uh, Mapalo Three, <laughs> uh, who uh, the P P P P P P P ran for uh, a few years and ended only like recently like the beginning of this year so it's their this is their new manga it's like a fucking incredibly uh, new it's it sounds reductive it sounds reductive to call it a uh, a parody of magical girls uh, cuz no, it's more than that it is it it's is more like than that. a um i would say it's like an absurdist homage to magical girls yeah an absurdist uh, surrealist uh take on magical girls almost like a, a non-japanese flavor to it it has a sort of an alien uh nature to it you know which what I really like. it actually it gave me the same kind of vibes as the fooly cooly uh, manga if you ever read that yes yes i did yeah i i there i'd have to go back and read it again but it gave me that kind of like yeah almost alien feel to the whole thing it's it's very dreamlike, almost Lynchian in a way. <laughs> you got come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> something, something Kafka-esque. Oh, it's very Kafka-esque the way they take down <laughs> magical girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of an American comic because honestly, I think it, it reminded me of American comics more than it did other manga for some reason. It. This is like an American, I would expect this to be an American author's like personal take on what they would do for a magical girl comic. Kind of like, did you ever read Battling Boy by Paul Pope? Uh, You know what? I think I did, uh, but only a little bit. It must have just been a taste. And he said like that was supposed to be his take on like kind of classic shonen stuff like Astro Boy. Yeah. You know, with a, a plucky young male character doing superhero stuff. Uh, it gave it, it reminds me of that a little bit as well. I don't think that it's meant to be taken 
at face value almost, you know? Like, okay, so the premise is the uh, Subame lives in a world where the heart the sky is filled with these giant hearts and and every now and then they they break open and anybody that gets caught in the light that they that the explosion shines off goes crazy and starts murdering everybody around them <laughs> yeah and and subame is kind of like your stereotypical like uh, genki slacker girl like super bright personality doesn't take school very seriously which we find out is because she's like an orphan uh from these like murder exp- heart explosion events <laughs> yeah and and that's like her trauma response to yeah. it, like seeing her parents uh, beat to death in front of her as a little kid so so that's where we're starting off at and and she really likes her two friends Rui and Coco at school and and she wishes that she could be a magical girl uh not to like save the world at large in any capacity but like specifically so that her friends won't get killed in these murder explosions. Yeah, she wants to save her friends and so she becomes a magical girl to do that. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah. guess the you know, she finds she becomes a magical girl because she finds out that her friend Rui uh, or Coco. Coco is a magical girl, but like doesn't really like it. She kind of treats it as just kind of like a job that she has to do. Well, no, well, that's we we, sh- we shouldn't describe the whole thing because yeah. that's actually that's that's not it turns out that's not really but but okay. I, I, don't right, spo- right, I don't want right, to I don't want to spoil it for you. I don't want to spoil it for you. But yeah, she becomes a magical girl uh for selfish reasons essentially. <laughs> she has uh, yes. That's the way she frames it. It's like, well, magical girls should want to save everybody equally, but I only really want to protect these two. And, like, if everybody else gets saved in the process, I guess that's cool. Yeah. But mostly I just want to make sure my two friends don't die. It goes in, in some strange uh, directions, and it it definitely focuses more on, on the personal. Uh, that is definitely more of a mission statement of the manga than it is. Uh, a characterization of her, I would say, as uh, you know, I've been I've been reading this one for a little while. I think I'm caught up, and that that is definitely kind of the direction we're going in. Uh, it's it's very weird and cool. I'm I really liked it. Yeah, I'll definitely yeah. read more of it. But on that note, another one that I read that you say you didn't keep up with was Ghost Reaper Girl. Yes. Uh, yes. Now I read the first chapter of this and I really liked it. I mean, it, uh, weird pedophile jokes aside. <laughs> I mean, not jokes. Uh, the, <laughs> there's a character in chapter one of Ghost Reaper Girl who just introduces himself by calling himself a pedophile. Yeah. I mean, that's. <laughs> it is really. I mean, it is one of the more off-putting. Um, actually, a lowly con is different than a pedophile. Oh, yeah. It's very <laughs> different. It's super different. It's like a completely By the way, this thing. is a good time to throw in a disclaimer that the views expressed on this show don't actually represent the real views of the host. <laughs> yes, we've never said anything sincere this entire time. Sincerity is verboten on this show. <laughs> it's not a good choice, I would say. It you know, it, if the art wasn't as strong as it is, that would be one of the more off-putting chapter ones I've ever read. Yeah, I mean, I was just, I was morbidly fascinated by the end of it. Because it is a fairly long chapter one. It's about 87 pages. 
which is, you know, a, a hefty chunk compared to most others that I was reading. But the premise is, you know, we have our, our main character um, who is a struggling... I don't know if she would even consider herself an actress because, like, she's trying to get acting jobs. She's 28, so she's kind of, like, just right on the edge of aging out of like, what do you what do you call them what do you call them i i what did not come them? up with that term what, what was it what did you say what i'm not gonna it? i'm not gonna i'm not gonna respond <laughs> to that it? i'm not gonna i'm <laughs> you called them i think what was it like christmas cake <laughs> that was your, you're gonna your bring thing? you're gonna bring that up every time aren't you <laughs> I didn't call them that. I didn't make up that term. Uh, I'm just reporting the news. Uh, yes, the words the author puts in her mouth are essentially like, I've aged out of being a popular actress. Um, yeah. And uh, she's uh, she's not handling it very well, though, you know, she's not in despair. Um I mean, uh, she kind of starts the story in denial that that was something she even really wanted to do. You know, she kind of states like, yeah, I'm 28. Uh, I I lie on my resumes and say I'm 20 to get interviews. Yeah. I mean, it should be noted that one of her distinguishing physical features is that she does look uh, really young for her age, according to uh, a character who describes himself as a pedophile. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not mince words there. Again, um, this is a this is a comic that is uh drawn by a man <laughs> um, <laughs> who was a certain age when he created it. Yeah. Uh this is by this is by uh, Akihisa Ikeda and his his big one was Rosario plus Vampire. Oh, which, he was that guy, huh? Yeah, sort of infamous for... Um, That's one of the horny vampire shows. How should I... Yeah, how should I put it? For certain certain things. Uh, he does have sort of a hard-on for vampires. Did he get fined $2,000? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think he was ever fined. But, like, funnily enough, he's, he's a big Tim Burton fan. Really? Yeah, yeah. Which I found... Uh, fascinating in a in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, I mean that can only be read in so many ways. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> Ghost Reaper Girl is he's only really done Rosario and Ghost Reaper Girl, so I think this might be. I think this is his current yeah. manga. So, so I mean, she's a struggling actress, uh, and and she is trying to get jobs and not doing a great job. Of, of getting them obviously she said at one point most of her resume is playing dead bodies and she's had like some very very low success being the star of like a late night made for tv schlocky movie about a girl who hunts demons wearing a swimsuit yes she's basically she's uh she's a law and order svu regular yeah <laughs> and and suddenly she discovers that uh which is another weird thing that stood out to me is they say that she is uh, genetically a spirit medium. Oh, yes, I know. I did not like that phrasing. Yes. Uh, again, it's not like, oh, your family were spirit mediums or, you know, you were born with a special ability granted by God or whatever. Uh, no, it's like uh, you are genetically predisposed to seeing ghosts. Uh, yeah, I, this is Ikeda again, leaning into some of the dumber things about. Well, OK, we're getting ahead of ourselves 
but yes, uh, she she runs into a guy who claims to be an agent of the afterlife, uh, whose job is to track down rogue ghosts and spirits that are wreaking havoc on Earth. Uh, but and, he ignores that so so to go and find a hot babe that can dom him. Well, yes, the I I guess the the twist on the whole thing is that like he's a an otaku of her late night um schlocky horror movie appearances this is also the self-described pedophile that we're talking about uh, he he specifically likes her because because she looks like a young little kid yes and and i i mean it very literally when i say like i mean you can put all that dna stuff aside because he seeks her out very specifically and literally so that he can be her sub he wears a collar he asks her to use him uh, he becomes her servant. It is, it's just BDSM Listen, shit. these are all perfectly natural urges. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> this, this is, this is a shonen, uh, but it's also a fetish comic about getting domed by a cute yeah. girl. No, I, 100%. Yeah. A cute short girl. That's, that's very important to the plot. It's very, that's very important to him yeah. in particular. It's. <laughs> It is one of those things where I find a little unfortunate because the art is really, really good. Well, I mean, also, what I really liked about it at the beginning is that it's like it, the way they introduce the go the evil ghosts is her auditioning for some some part. And and it's like kind of evoking the whole, you know, uh, a producer s- sexually soliciting an actress who wants a part yeah. kind of thing going on. Uh, and so I thought that it was going to be more heavily leaning into that theme aspect of like, all right, she's like going around cleaning up all these pervs in the entertainment industry uh, by by killing ghosts or whatever. But but no, it goes the opposite way. It is a perv. The the whole premise is a perv thing. It is a perv thing. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's one of those things where a lot of especially as we move uh, into modernity, I guess. Um, a lot of manga artists, <laughs> post postmodern, yeah, post postmodernism. A lot of artists try to have their cake and eat it too, right? Where they will be, on one hand, criticizing the way people creep on women, while literally at the same time objectifying them in like really perverted ways in their own. It's comic. something that I've been saying since like. I think it's something people, not just me, people have been saying since, like, Evangelion, right? No, just, just you. Yeah, you, no, just You cracked me. it. I we cracked, cracked it. it on this show. <laughs> Nobody else. There is no other feminist critique about anime that exists. We're the first ones to do it. I was the first one to think of this whole concept. Uh, what is, you know, what is the limit of critiquing something while engaging with it? I say it. While engaging with it. Yeah, I say I said it about Fooly Cooly, and I said it about Evangelion, right? Yeah, back when you were 12 years old, you're sitting on the couch watching Ava and you're like, what the fuck is this shit? (laughs) This seems to be criticizing perving on this chick while still doing it. You know, most people are talking about Ray or or Asuka, but I'm really talking about how no one sees them as people. (laughs) I sympathize with them as women. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This fucking eight-year-old. Oh, God. Evangelion does not pass the Bechdel test. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah. Uh, yes, it is. It is unfortunate. So I, I thought it, I thought it was a strong premise. Uh, apparently, it, it goes off the rails at some point, which is disappointing, but not surprising. Uh, yeah, it it really is more interested in being a BDSM fetish comic <laughs> than anything else. <laughs> you know, just be honest with yourself. You know, there there's plenty of ways to just put that story out there if you want it. Well, and and he did. <laughs> he put it out there. Okay, tell me about uh, Hope You're Happy Lemon. Okay, I was actually really excited. Uh, this chapter one took me on several zigs and at least a few zags along the way. Okay, sum it up in one sentence. Oh, boy. Uh, what if you woke up as your ex? Damn, that is fucked up. Yeah. So it, it starts off with our, our main character, who is a freshly graduated 18-year-old turning 19, uh, entering his first year of college. Terrible year. Yeah. Terrible Worst year. year to be alive, honestly. One of the worst years, honestly, yeah. And And this dude, his main defining feature is that he is devastated devastated to his core by his middle school uh girlfriend who also happened to be his childhood best friend breaking up with him on the day of his middle school graduation by saying that she was cheating on him with three other guys oh great so he turned into exactly oh, the kind of person uh who would harbor that grudge for three years of high school uh, you would think he would turn into. Uh, uh, so this is a bitter, lonely dude uh, who doesn't know how to interact uh, with women, spends all of his time gaming with his other incel gaming friends online, and he's he's entering college, uh, and he's he's joined the film club, which is funny that you mentioned Tim Burton because they explicitly call out the, the, the next movie that they're going to watch in film club. Yeah. Uh, is is Edward Scissorhands? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he's got a he's got a crush on this girl that's in the film club with him uh, that he met at college, and he's like finally feeling like, all right, well, I was devastated all through high school by this breakup. Uh, I hate my bitch four timing ex girlfriend. God damn! Which is what he calls yes, her. Yes, of course. He call actually he calls her the witch specifically. That's the title that he gives her. Great, cool. Sounds like a great guy. Yeah. And, and he's like, all right, I'm, I think I'm finally, I'm in college and I'm finally ready to have a crush on someone else. And, and this, this girl seems cool. Uh, and so on his way to film club, actually on his way back from film club, um, they're going to go out drinking or whatever as a, what clubs do, sure. which is after school, alcohol intake. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, weird. That's always been a weird thing to me because like, that is like the last thing I would want to do with people I like just met in my like school classes. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I don't know. it's weird. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not emotionally open enough to get drunk around strangers yet. So anyway, on, on his way back from drinking with, with the club, he runs into his ex-girlfriend. Uh, by the way, I should explain the title. Uh, her name is lemon. That's her first name. Like Liz lemon. No, like lemon. I can't remember what her surname is, but He'd like her first name is Lemon. Lemon Liz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Lemon Lemon O'Brien. <laughs> love it, love it. Anyway, he uh, against all all expectations runs into her in, in an elevator and is like, 
just completely flustered because she's like seems like she's actually excited to see him and it's like oh like hey it's really good to see you like we should catch up sometime and basically he doesn't he doesn't know what to say he's completely speechless because this is the this is the the witch that the four-timing witch that broke his heart right again in middle school at the tender age of 14 which i guess is the correct age to start a lifelong grudge against women if you're gonna have one now you keep saying four-timing but like well well we'll get to okay that. okay so i'm getting i'm getting ahead of myself here uh-huh. okay so uh, anyway after this weird interaction he finally you know gets up enough courage to be like like uh, i'm really surprised to see you like acting like this because because you cheated on me with three guys and she's like, oh, yeah, well, we should talk about that sometime. And then before they can go any further, the elevator rides and she or the elevator ride ends and she pieces out. And as he as he walks out in the street, he looks up and he sees a shooting star and and he makes a wish that we are not privy to his internal monologue on. But the next morning, can you guess what happens? Well, from your uh, one-sentence summary, I, it sounds like some kind of Freaky Friday situation. That is exactly what happens. He wakes up in the body of Lemon, his his horrible ex-girlfriend. And not only that, but he very quickly finds out, uh, because she comes over, that she is in his body. Uh, so, so it's not like he ceased to exist and he's just controlling her life now. Yes, yes, we've got a Futari switch situation yeah. going on. Yeah, so so they've switched bodies, and she's like, "All right, this is weird, but uh, I guess like we're just gonna have to live out each other's days for today because I have like a super important test that I need to go to, uh, and like you also need to go to your classes. So let's just go try and make it through the day, and we'll talk." Uh, when we get home, I, I would call in sick. Personally, I, ha- I have to say that is that is not an option in the Japanese mindset. <laughs> Damn, uh, something feels weird with me today. Can we like reschedule? Hey, I'm uh, I'm I'm suffering from a total lack of body function. I don't think I can come in. No, nope, yeah, nope, not you. Got to get here, bud. Otherwise, it's <laughs> rude. <laughs> oh God. So so they they go about each other's days and he's kind of like going through her her life and and he's discovering some things that he and we as the audience, uh, I don't think we're meant to expect. Uh, The first thing that he realizes is that, like, she goes to a way better school than him. (laughs) Yeah, like like she goes to uh, one of the top. I, I think it was made up. But I the in-universe equivalent of Tokyo University, which is like the big one to get into. Sure. It has it has like new furniture and like the teachers wear like collared shirts. Administrators still wear wigs, powdered wigs to <laughs> events. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The classrooms aren't uh, portable trailers. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the second thing that he notices is that like everybody is super nice to her. And not just in a way where it's like dudes hitting on her or people just being generally pleasant because she's like, you know, an attractive looking person. But like everyone that he interacts with as her, like genuinely seems to think that she's just like a really cool and awesome person. And 
Yeah. Ego, that is ego death right there, man. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's like what was really like drawing me in about the whole thing. I thought it was going to be a total, you know, incel revenge fantasy about getting back at your ex-girlfriend. But actually it's about, I'm getting ahead of myself. So let me get back to it. You know, he's, he's going to... <laughs> He's going about her day and just realizing that she's actually like a cool person. And so when they finally meet up again at the end of the day back at his school and he he sees her leaving and she in his body kind of gets confronted by these martial arts club dudes that are like trying to pressure him into joining their club. Okay. Yeah. I don't what I don't know if that's like a stereotypical interaction huh. that like martial arts clubs are pushy about getting people to join. <laughs> Super pushy about fighting club. Yeah. But, you know, he he basically, you know, intervenes is like, hey, oh, thanks for talking to my boyfriend. We gotta go now. And, you know, they start talking about it and there's kind of a weird interaction that I think shines the most light on what this comic is actually going to be about in in that when he brings up that he's still really bitter about being cheated on, you know, she gets kind of like really quiet and wistful about it. Uh, and then at one point she kind of starts to say like, you know, that's why I and then cuts herself off. Uh, and then kind of ends the conversation. But right at the end of the first chapter, we get an abrupt switch to her point of view where they're, you know, going to their separate apartments for the night before which he realizes that her roommate is the girl that he has a crush on in the film club. Naturally. So there's that. Yeah, naturally. Of course, that was that was inevitable. Totally. Uh, it was written in the stars by the premise, right? Of course. So now they're on their way back to their separate apartments and we get an abrupt switch to her point of view in his body where we get the reveal that she never cheated on him. Oh, yeah. She I, just used that as an excuse to break up with him. I totally assumed. Yeah, <laughs> I totally assumed that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a little extreme, a little extreme that she would uh, embellish it that much. But I, I get it. I get yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, well, that's kind of what I'm getting at is that there's some pretty heavy hints that he was actually a shitty boyfriend and that's why uh, she broke up with him. Also completely assume that before <laughs> yeah. you even started talking. Uh, <laughs> that I was guess my it's pretty subject. obvious in retrospect. Wow. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, listen, it was a security uh, guard all along. A middle schooler boy is a bad boyfriend. Yeah. Holy shit. Wow. What a revelation. So, so with all of that in context, I really like the setup. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was going to be way worse than it ended up being. Sure. I like the idea of doing a body swap anime or manga where it's like the dude realizing that he was a shitty boyfriend. I think that's cool. Sure, sure. Uh, well, you know, we've we've talked about quite a, a few body swap manga at this point, right? Yeah. And uh, that that is a sort of one of the more consistent themes that I like. Uh, you know, the most recent one I like a lot is Futari Switch, obviously. Uh, that one uh, is more of a comedy, uh, but it does play into a little bit of that stuff. I remember talking about, I don't know if you remember this, but I talked about Mayonaka no cross method that has a, a sort of similar bait and switch where it's about a little brother who like resents 
uh, his hot older sister for having a super easy life because she's like hot and personable and he's like a little dork Uh until he switches into her body and like, you know, has an experience that like really opens his eyes. Of course, that one ends up turning into a, a murder mystery. So a little bit different. But dealing with I don't know I this was only a chapter one it still has room to develop I guess yeah I guess it could still go that way right uh, my assumptions um, which have been correct so far uh, tell me that's probably not what's going to happen here but uh, it's, I guess you never know uh, you know I'm I'm here for the ride that's all that's yeah. all I got to say <laughs> okay sure I like I like a good body swap and I appreciate ones that are more gender conscious instead of just straight voyeuristic. So yes, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Give it a shot. Sure. Okay. What's this last one here? Red cat ramen. Now I, before you tell me about it, I did notice this is getting an anime like soon. Well, they announced that it was getting an anime yesterday. I don't know if it's getting an anime soon. Yes. So this one, it seems to be pretty popular. Uh, well, I, I had not heard of it until I was scrolling through uh, recent chapter releases uh, but sure, but you've never read One Piece. That's true. I have not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see what that has to do with this. I'll bring that up every single time. <laughs> uh, so Red Cat Ramen is quite literally on it on its face is about a girl who gets hired to work at a ramen shop that's run by cats. And that's disgusting. That's well, <laughs> foul. They, they would get their hair in the ramen. That's, that's a, that's gross. A, that's the whole point. She gets hired as the brusher to brush their hair so they don't get hair oh. in the ramen. Oh, can't they at least have a hairless cat? I am I hope that they introduce one at one point. What do they call them? Sphinx cats? Yes. Uh, Egyptian sphinx cats. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're cute. I like those. I like those guys. Well, I'd prefer if they're going to make me ramen to not have hair. Yeah. <laughs> They it, the cat the ramen shop in the manga has a big sign on the wall that says, uh, "Sorry, you may get some hair in your ramen." Oh, I'm disgusted by this. And also, they use they use litter boxes with those fucking paws. Oh no, no, they use they use the bathroom. They use regular human bathrooms. Yeah, so so they are they are cats. Uh, they are physically cats in every sense of the word, but they do. Are they bipedal? They are bipedal. They can use tools, and they do talk okay. Japanese. So not not super cat like. Think um, what was uh, the Puss in Boots movie, uh, the Shrek spinoff? They're like that cat. Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, and so it's about a, a bunch of these cats and they run a ramen shop and they, they hire a human girl who specifically is not a cat person, uh, to, to be their, their on staff groomer so that they don't get hair in the ramen. I mean, that is the, the face value premise, which I think is just funny. I think it's cute just to see cats run a ramen shop because they lean into it. It's like. You know, instead of having a cute waitress girl, they have a, a cat that likes to get belly rubs from customers. <laughs> That's so unprofessional. <laughs> uh, well, their 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 noodle maker is a is a straight up tiger. Like a big one too. Well, that's not really a cat. I mean, I don't want to get pedantic, but like Tigers that's... are cats. Tigers are big cats. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. What are you gonna tell you gonna tell me a puma is not a cat? Uh, a puma is a capital B big cat. It's got cat in the name. Uh-huh. I don't I, what is the cutoff? What is mm-hmm. the size cutoff sure. for being a cat versus uh whatever you're saying is not a cat? Uh on four paws if it is taller than 
if it is taller than three feet, that's the cutoff. That is a that is a big cat. That is okay, no longer so, a cat. So an ocelot is a cat, but but a cheat is not. Um, you know what? Uh, he, I mean, could be. I'd have to see the ocelot to make a uh, an actual uh, call on that one. I'd have to see it first. Oh, good luck, because they're in danger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, but, if it's endangered, it's not a cat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's also a rule. <laughs> You're just throwing down these rules willy nilly, left and right. Cats are cats are all over the place. There, there's too many of them. You don't strike me as a cat person, <laughs> Remy. <laughs> no, they're disgusting, foul creatures. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. Well, you're going to be so embarrassed saying that because, like, the whole premise of of the show or of the manga is it's supposed to be analogous to like an immigrant family running a running a shop. So I bet you feel pretty embarrassed embarrassed now. Yeah, you just owned me pretty yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> racist. I guess I am racist. They're supposed to be Korean. Oh, sh- oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Okay, sure. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they go into like how basically cats are are a discriminated subclass of of people because they're cats and they don't have citizen or labor rights. They straight up say that. Well, yeah, because they're cats. <laughs> and like the 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 main character girl. Uh, she gets referred to the job because her aunt used to own the restaurant before she sold it to the cats. And she says something like, wow, it's not a lot of people that would sell their business to a, to a group of cats, <laughs> which I guess is, <laughs> is a factual statement. <laughs> it's, it's not unreasonable. This is my problem with, with metaphorizing. Uh, okay, but the cats can talk. Yes, they're, this, the applying sentience to them is definitely a step. It is a, it is a, big, it is a big step. But this is one of my problems with metaphorize. It's like, uh, you know, how uh, there's been a big uh, push to, like, reappraise uh, orcs in, like, fantasy settings. Uh-huh. You're, still co- you're still calling uh, a minority group a big green fucking monster. It's like... <laughs> That's not good either. Like you cannot, you cannot make a straight analogy like that. It's not one to one. It just doesn't line up cleanly. Saying like shit like that is like also saying, okay, but it's a factual statement that Koreans get food gross because they shed into it. <laughs> it's like what? That's not true. That's it's not, not true. true. Koreans do not need Japanese people to serve the food because Koreans have fur all over them. That's it's fucking it does not line up. I'm saying metaphorizing the immigrant experience is always like flawed, Uh, not to like fuck over this, like the whimsy of this premise. I'm just saying I am just saying that in general, that's how I feel about that kind of thing. I mean, it's it's they're pretty explicit about about the comparison. You know, the first chapter basically has a guy come in. Uh, and and threatened to get them deported because they got hair in his ramen, which is again deported to where Catland. <laughs> well, yo, know, he was being very vague. But he says, "I'm going to get you guys thrown out of here." So he could have been referring to just the physical building space, I guess, where they had the restaurant. But I, I think the <laughs> I think the analogy is there. I'm going to impound you. Yeah, I'm going to send you to the pound. Yeah. I'm going to put you in one of those cat refuges. I'm going to put you out of business so you all have to get jobs at a cat cafe. 
a fucking like actually okay i didn't even think of that that makes the whole context of this weird this world so much weirder if there are if cats can just talk and have like human level sentience i thought that was does that make cat cafes really weird but i thought that was like that was the premise it's cats running a cafe right well no it's they're they're very serious that they're running a ramen shop a ramen shop yeah it's just it's run by cats it's not a but you said but you said they belly rub the cat in the restaurant well just the waitress you know she's kind of weird like that (laughs) come on man (laughs) (laughs) no the main the main cat the the red cat boshun uh is his name uh, he's the big boss, and he's very serious about about. He is like a ramen uh, seller. Uh, he's always obsessing over over the current uh, broth, trying to make it just perfect. Sure, sure, okay. I guess my my big thing is like you're trying to you're trying to make this you know analogous to like doing a, a sort of equal rights. We need to treat each other equally. Story, but. It is indisputable that there are massive differences between cats and humans. Even if the cats are sentient, they are not humans qualitatively. You know what I mean? Well, again, that uh, I guess they try and address that by putting the big sign on the wall saying, sorry, uh, sometimes hair gets in the food. <laughs> I, I just saying that is a load bearing like uh, like philosophically, that is a load bearing sign. <laughs> Ideologically, that is a load bearing sign. Hey, you don't want to move that poster. We spend a lot of time trying to dissuade people from the idea that there there is a racial way to look at the world that like ethnicity is not something that separates us from each other and then it comes in and says actually race is real it's a super real thing that physiologically (laughs) redefines how we interact with each other and the world oh but you have to ignore that because in this concept it's just here to metaphorize the experience of being different it's just, it's, look, I have a hard time getting past this. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a perfect metaphor. I'm just saying that's what they went for. <laughs> I'm saying it is a fundamentally a flawed metaphor. Same thing with all the fucking furry shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> you are sending the wrong message. Uh, I'm looking at you, Zootopia. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's it. That was my chapter ones. Okay. All right. Oh fuck. Well, some of those sounded interesting. <laughs> uh, I'm probably going to continue to read all of these, except for maybe Ghost Reaper Girl, unless you say uh, I should. Well, you read through the next arc, which is like her first big uh, fight, and if you still like it after that, keep going. Uh, if not, it's more of that. So all right, I'll uh, I'll, figure I'll, it out I'll figure quick. it out. I'll see what's out there. Yeah, and the next time you do this, I I am gonna be assigning you things. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I can't let you like wander off like this all the time. <laughs> uh, performance will be evaluated. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that's this is too much. We talked about too much anime. This is over stuff with. We talked anime. about too much anime after not talking about enough anime yeah, last time. We barely talked about anime last time, and now we've overcorrected. We've given you too much anime. We need to end this episode before any more anime leaks out. 
I can already feel anime uh, pulling at the edge of my consciousness. I'm desperately trying not to mention more anime so that we can get out of here. Handsome and beautiful listeners, uh, you're welcome. You're welcome for how much anime we bestowed upon. We do you. this for you. I hope I hope you realize yeah, that. Yeah, this is this is for your benefit. <laughs> all this fucking anime. <laughs> All right, are we done here? <laughs> yes, I think we're I think we're good. You've had enough anime for one week. Next week, I don't know, what do you want to do? We'll probably Well, are, are we are we close to wrapping up fall season, I think? I think so. I think we're just on the cusp of the winter releases. Okay. Uh, January, I think is when the big uh, the next big round of of episode ones is coming. Yeah. Well, I know December Dungeon Meshi is going to be kicking off at some point. So yeah, very excited about that. We're going to be talking about some anime when that shit comes out. Love me some trigger. Love me some Dungeon Meshi. Damn, it's so good. I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do some some previews or something next episode. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Until then, um, I don't know. Maybe read and watch the anime we mentioned. At least a couple. At least one. Just do one. At least one. Let us know about it. Try to do one at least. Yeah. I want a 500-word essay Monday morning about this. Yeah, and it will be graded. Uh, So, uh, chop, chop. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. You're actually thinking of Rayman's monster.